When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These aren't the droids you're looking for. This is the Rich Eisen Show. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Carry the hell on. You know who's not walking through that door? Uh-uh. The beard! James Harden is not coming to the rescue. It just, when you look at Harden, it just like, just doesn't at all feel like the Harden that you need right now. The Rich Eisen Show. Earlier on the show, Colts general manager Chris Ballard. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Still to come. ESPN NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins. Plus, actor Shea Wiggum. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. Already great chats in hours one and two of this program. Um, way back in uh, hour number two, just uh, about 40 minutes ago, we had Mike Tomlin on this program. How about them apples right there? Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts in hour number one. Some great chats with those guys. Yeah, we had some laughs, actually. <laughs> yeah. You even said when Tomlin hung up, like, you don't get to see that outside of Mike you Tomlin really too don't. often. Yeah. Had some laughs. Mike even said, you know, that his he was on a cordless phone. Who's Last person I saw on a cordless phone was Gordon Gecko on a beach telling Bud Fox it was his wake-up call, right? Wake up uh, call, no, 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 a cordless, cordless phone that's attached to a cord. I have one of those at my house. What do you mean? It's a cordless it's phone. It's a regular cordless phone. Of- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You walk around your house. Oh, yeah. oh, it starts beeping. Yeah. starts yeah, beeping. Batteries. Even call back. He called back. It was nice of him to call well, back. Yeah. A cordless phone with like an antenna. Is like that. What is he still using Cowher's phone system? <laughs> 15 years ago. That's from the 90s. Yeah. Um, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. The actor Shea Wiggum is going to join us. But one of our favorites, we were going back and forth yesterday about, hey, uh, let's get uh, somebody on to talk about these NBA playoffs. And this was the first name that came across all of our text exchanges. Because we just love watching him on the Worldwide Leader in Sports. And also uh, when he's on uh, First Take and all the other family of uh, ESPN television shows and products. Uh, the great Kendrick Perkins back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing, Kendrick? What's going on? Appreciate you having me on. Always. You know that. You've got a spot here. Um, okay, so the story of the second round of the NBA playoffs is what? What is the your top story right here? Kendrick Ooh, Perkins. You, you, you know what? The top story to me is John Morant. I think, I think it, it has to be John Morant. Look, when you talk about uh, the greatest individual performance thus in this playoffs, it was last night. And John Morant put on a clinic yesterday. I mean, when you talk about what he did going head-to-head with Steph Curry, one of the all-time greats, in my opinion, the top ten greatest, a uh, top ten greatest player of all time, 
And the way that he did it and the fashion that he did it, dropping that 47-piece wing, then all flats, 18 in the fourth, and all meaningful buckets, he has to be the, the biggest storyline right now in the postseason. And then just the way the the series has gone, that we've seen two flagrant twos in two games, and the team that's mm-hmm. that's had the player ejected won the game. Um, what did you make of Steve Kerr's comments saying that Dylan Brooks Brooks broke a code? What do you think of that? Well, one? You, you know what, Rich, I, I will say this: for the first time, I agree with Steve Kerr. <laughs> you know the way, what Dylan Brooks did? It is a code in the locker room when you don't have a chance to actually. When the guys are already taking off and up in the air, you don't you not supposed to come from behind and do what he did, uh Dylan Brooks did last night. I mean it was uncalled for. I thought he was completely out of line. And then results you get a guy like Gary Payton Junior, who was one of the, the who, who who was one of the most, you know, beautiful stories in the NBA this season as far as what he had to go through. Now he's out because of an ignorant play by Dylan Brooks that was uncalled for. So I was I was right there with Steve Kerr on that. Like, you just can't do that. And in my opinion, I think he should be suspended for game three, maybe game four. Is that because of the injury, though, Kendrick? That if he if, if uh, Gary Payton II had bounced up, then uh, yeah. then Brooks shouldn't be suspended? That, that yeah. I, You know, like we're in that – that nether region that we seem to find ourselves in in either playoff basketball or hockey when somebody gets hurt due to a dirty play or a a code violating play that um, we react uh, even more stridently when we see how hurt somebody is. No, I I agree. And I think that plays a huge part in it. But the fact that he didn't make a play on the ball is and wasn't trying to make a play on the ball like people trying to downplay it and say, oh, he didn't do it intentionally or he didn't try to hurt him intentionally. Well, guess what? He tried to foul him the way he did intentionally. Like, and no one else could make me think otherwise. Here's the thing, Rich, and I and I want to get your opinion on. It. Okay. Okay. So listen to this. I think, including myself. All old school guys, former players, analysts that's been around for a long time, I think we're doing a disservice at the moment. Again, including myself, of calling the NBA soft. And I say that to say this, because it's called evolution. Like, although we used to the 80s and 90s and they got rugged, they got physical, there's still ways to play physical. But when I think about the evolution – I look at guys being more skilled right now in today's game. I look at better shooting. And so when I see all that, it's more entertaining and it's, a, it's better for basketball. So when we criticize or we call the league soft, guys are watching. Like a lot of NBA guys may say, oh, I don't pay attention to the media that line, right? I was in those locker rooms. All those guys see everything that is said about them or about their organization, et cetera. And so when they say that, so when we say that the league is getting soft in this playoff basketball and, you know, the refs need to lighten up, the NBA should be ashamed of themselves, I think it's just adds fuel to the fire for us with the players to go out there and try to prove that the league isn't soft. And in that case, you get an incident like you did last night or in this series 
with a Draymond Green and the Dylan Brooks. What you think about that? That's interesting. Uh, again, you you'd be more attuned to just how yeah. how how much rabbit ears the NBA the current NBA player um, group would have. Uh, I, I just. You know, I, I, I see this series and I, I see what Draymond is saying and how he's banged up and I don't want to see anybody with a broken elbow because I don't want to see anything a man code or a, a, a an NBA code violation, right? But I, I do like the chippiness a lot. I do like it because I, 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 whatever, let's put it this way, whatever is between soft and Bill Lambeer, okay, I, I'm, I, I'm, I, that's what I'm looking for, you know? Right. That's what I'm looking for from right, the NBA. But, but, but here's the thing. You can still play physical without playing ignorant, right? So <laughs> when I look at a team like the Boston Celtics who's playing physical, when I look at a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, they play physical. When you look at them goons from Dade County, the Miami Heat, they play physical, but they, they don't mean that they play ignorant. They don't mean that they make stupid plays. They don't mean that they do unnecessary type things that will cause somebody to get hurt. So it's a way to still be physical and still have that, that toughness and that edge and bring that type of joy to the game. Because remember, I'm all for it. You know, I don't like friendly basketball. I'm not with the jersey swap after the game. I'm not with none of that, right? I love the... The, the tension, I love the, the the beef, you know, that people be having. But at some point in time, right, you got to lay down a law where you have to protect the players. So what did you think of Draymond's uh, comments after the game about his double bird, you know, uh, flipping off the fans <laughs> uh, and, well, you know, and talking about how much money he makes so the fine doesn't matter to him? What did you think of that? Well, well, well I'm going to say this. The double bird part, I really didn't care because I know Memphis is a hostile environment and no one really taking that personal, right? The double bird, I mean, we didn't seen a lot of people do that. I think it's great entertainment. Uh, yeah, he will get fined. I will say this, though. The thing that you don't have to do, the thing that you don't have to do is you don't have to cross the line of reporting or saying how much money you make. We all know that. Like, we don't, you don't have to downplay I make an appearance like we already know that. Like, you, like once you start throwing, trying to throw in people's face with what you got or what you like, you know, at the end of the day, the fans make up the NBA, right? The fans are the reason that players are successful. The fans are the reason that players are able to get paid these big deals, like they able to get paid. So, at some type of, you know, at some point, you have to respect the fans and what they bring to the table and even if they're booing right like it's part of it like i used to love getting booed when i was on the celtics we used to embrace that like boo us like we used to we used to thrive off of that but some guys don't but you know i just didn't i that's the part i didn't like about Draymond was saying oh i make 25 million a year we know that already though kendrick perkins from espn hoop streams co-host right here on the Rich Eisen Show. So um, I'll ask you uh, about a take that I've had. You tell me if mm-hmm. I should carry on, to use your phrase or not, um, that uh, the 75th anniversary team version of James Harden has got to show up, and he's got to show up starting right now for the Sixers. Your thoughts I, on that I, subject? I, you know what? I'm going to answer and say carry the hell on because you're absolutely right, but here's the thing. I don't know if he can. Like, I'm asking for the same version of James Harden 
But I don't know if he got it in him no more. I think Fourth the Time has caught up with James Harden. I think he has shown us that for the simple fact that he has already started to transition himself into playing the point guard position. Hmm. Like when I watch when I'm watching him play, he can't get by guys no more. And I'm used to watching a James Harden where a guy would press up on him and he would break him down, you know, being able to separate and, and get to a step back three point shot. He can't even do that. I'm watching the Miami game the other night and they calling for a switch to get Tyler Hero in the pick and roll and no disrespect to Tyler Hero whatsoever. Hmm. But he's not an elite defender, okay? He, he can score buckets, but he's not long, known as an elite defender. We all know this. And James Harden couldn't even get by him. So I don't know. Like I, I'm giving him this last moment tonight to show me that he's capable of actually rising to the occasion. And I'm not even talking about scoring 40. I just want to see him score 28 to 30 points. That's all I want to see him do. If he don't do it tonight, then – I think we have to accept that this is who he is. Because I'm going to tell you something, Rich. My grandfather always used to tell me, if a person showed you who they are, you got to believe And who is he, right? I mean, like, because it, it just seems to me the number of times in which, you, you know, you just mentioned moments ago, Kendrick Perkins, about how players are hearing what media is saying and how it absorbs how they absorb it. I mean, it, it, this is it. Like this is this is his time to win a championship, and I know Embiid needs to be out there in order to win it. I get it, but in order to get to Embiid being back out there and it still being a viable opportunity for them, Harden's got to show up tonight and do it tonight. Seventy fifth anniversary team type James Harden. He doesn't even seem to get to the line anymore. Like that I used know. to be the guarantee for him getting to the line and making his free throw. It, 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 exactly, and that's the that's why I'm getting to look. We let's not act like we all don't know the history of James Harden after he lose tough playoff series or don't show up in the game seven. Then we see clips of him being in the club or hanging with little baby or hanging with the rappers. You know, most guys that really put they all into it and really, really give a damn and really, really want to win a championship. Like, if they lose and they on the contender team, you probably won't hear from them for about a month. You could go you could go search it. Just look at a guy like Jalen Brown, right? Think about it. Game one against the Bucks, he was horrible. All of a sudden, game two, he showed up to the arena like two and a half, three hours early. He was talking about how he, he, he didn't get any rest. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't wait for game two. And he came out. He held himself accountable, went back, corrected all – the mistakes and things that he had did in game one, and he shined in great fashion. That showed me a guy that actually cared not about his individual performance, but actually care about winning. And so when you see that, if they showing us that, that's what I came to the conclusion with with James Harden, like that nonchalant attitude after certain games and just carrying on you know, his daily life and seem like he's not affected by it. This is who he is. Before I let you go, Kendrick Perkins, I'll ask you this last question, um, bringing our full conversation full circle, because I asked you moments ago the storyline of uh, the top story of the second round of the NBA playoffs, and you said John Morant. What do you think Zion Williamson is thinking right now, Kendrick Perkins? What, what, what he should be thinking about signing that rookie extension this summer, and he should be thinking about wearing a Pelicans uniform, because what the Pelicans showed him 
at the end of this season with the culture, with Willie Green, with C.J. McCullough, with Brandon Ingram, the way those guys were playing, along with those other young guys, Herb Jones and, and Marsha and those guys, and Jose, 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 <laughs> he should be thinking about going back to the Pelicans and being part of that franchise and help them get to where they need to go, and that could be in a contender and contender for a title, along with getting in some shape. Right, because I'm just, again, wondering if he's looking at Morant and saying, you know what, um, uh, I, I should be doing that. Or he's sitting there thinking, so I, I don't know him. I, I don't know him, and I don't know what makes him tick. And in the same way that you're saying you see Jalen Brown as a guy who wants to win, what do you think? Do, do you think that this is a guy that w- wants to – uh, maybe go somewhere else and be a star there and restart uh, himself, or and he's satisfied with his lot in yeah. NBA stardom right now, or what? I, what do you think? I, I I don't know because my biggest thing with Zion is that you you were the biggest like high school player name going to college since a guy by the name of LeBron James. And one thing I don't like about Zion and quote unquote his camp and the way that they handle things, is that we never hear from him. And they always say, oh, he's young. No, you're a grown man once you step into the NBA. And if you're supposed to be a franchise player, we need to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. I don't want to hear from your daddy. I don't want to hear from your uncle. I don't want to hear from your agent. I don't even want to hear from Willie Green speaking on behalf of you. I want to hear from Zion Williamson. I want to know what Zion Williamson is thinking. And, and so... I think it's a level of growth that he has to get to along with, uh, you know, cleaning up some areas. You know, see, here's the thing. that Here's the problem that I have with a lot of young guys. Mm-hmm. So much pride, right, that they're afraid to reach out and get mentorship, right? Get a mentor. How about calling LeBron James? His line is always open. Reaching out to him and saying, hey, man, you know, what I need to do, how I need to go about handling things, and start correcting it in those areas. And also cleaning up areas, you know, where you say, hey, mom, I just need you to be my mother. Or daddy, I just need you to be my father. That's it. Let me handle the rest. Y'all sit back, come to the games, enjoy the games. Let me do everything else. But that comes with growth, and he's going to have to come out of that shell. But if he's not watching John Morant and what he has done for that Memphis Grizzlies organization, and he's not fueled by that, then he have a problem. Kendrick Perkins, you are the man. Um, look for my call regularly, uh, certainly as things go. Please, Kendrick, I greatly appreciate you taking the time. No, I appreciate I appreciate you, Legend. Appreciate you having me on, as always. Always. At Kendrick always. Perkins on Twitter. I follow him. You should carry the hell on and do the same. <laughs> Big Perk. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> Take care, Kendrick. Thanks for the call. That's Kendrick Perkins, everybody, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. I just love, uh, again, his... It's his, a real man. His, his, uh, he, he, he simplifies it. And and he he shoots you straight. Yep. I really love listening to his commentary and watching him on TV at Kendrick Perkins on Instagram as well. Let's take a break. The actor Shea Wiggum from Boardwalk Empire, Wolf of Wall Street, the next two Mission Impossible movies, and now the television show Gaslit. He plays G. Gordon Liddy for crying out loud. That's next. He's in studio on the Rich Eisen Show. 
Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Gaslit is airing Sundays at 8 Eastern on Stars. Available early on the Stars app. Streaming and on-demand platforms at midnight it is based on the Slow Burn podcast on the Watergate scandal from way back in the day. And the man who plays G. Gordon Liddy is here on the Rich Eisen Show. Big fan of Shea Wiggum here on the program. Good to see you again, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. So G. Gordon Liddy is um, quite the character. As I just remember him, um, you know, at, growing up yeah. and seeing him on TV before he passed away. And so you play him in this in this show about the Watergate scandal. Yeah, you know we we uh, we deal with uh, seventy two. Mm-hmm. So you know when I, when they when they approached me to to play Lydia, it's it scared really scared me uh-uh. because he's so iconic and so much people really started to uh, you know figure find out more about him post post politics with with uh, Miami Vice and and what he did with Timothy Leary and and. Uh, so I was nervous to take him on, but yeah, so we, we dove right in. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of characters that you've played, and you've played a lot of crazy people, uh, <laughs> Shay, just coming through the front door here uh, in your career, it doesn't take too much of a scroll down your IMDB page to yeah, see yeah, 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 that, yeah. Uh, you know, you've played some people who've, who've been out there. Um, yeah. And again, Boardwalk Empire is one of them. Uh, where, where does this one rank for you? Uh, I think it's, yeah, this is... This would definitely be on the Mount Rushmore of those, and I think he would probably be he'd be at the top. I mean, it, not to go too deep into it, and you know, uh, I don't sound presumptuous when I talk about the acting part of it. Yeah. But this one took a lot to put together because, again, so much was known, and he he was he was uh, uh, 
the ultimate, you know, um, company man. No matter what it took to get the job done, he would do, you know. And so, and he had, he was just, he was just, you know, it it, it was tricky because of how uh, how big of a personality he is and how deep he would go. And I wanted to make sure that I gave him a fair shot when we, you know, I said to Matt Ross, the director, I want to make sure that. We give him a, a real fair shot. Don't bring any baggage. So we started it at neutral with him, and just you know built 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 Liddy from there. I mean, hell of a cast too. I mean, when you're talking about the Mitchells, yeah. Martha and John being, yeah. you know, Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. I yeah. mean, you're that's a hell of a pool in which oh, you're man. swimming. Oh I man, you know? Julia's been she's been great to me. She's she's unbelievable. This as well as Sean. I've I've acted with both of them before, mm-hmm. and I never. I mean, with her, I, I never, you never get quite used to being with Julia. She's. What do you mean? She just, she's that big of a star for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm from Mystic River. I mean, excuse me, Mystic Pizza. Yeah. You know, Satisfaction all the way through. I, in, in, and then Pretty Woman. And then Penn, you know, I, I like to say I had Penn's poster on my wall as a, as a, as a young kid. You know what, what I mean? What, Spicoli? Yeah. Yeah. It's Spicoli, you know, and everybody, I, you know, everybody I knew, all the guys I knew, wanted to order pizza at you know during during <laughs> on, class on our time on our time. You know, and you know, <laughs> smoke a joint and right outside in the van prior to first period. You know, so he, it's it was heavy, and we went ten deep in this. They put a cast together that's unbelievable, and you feel the production design and the and the and the DP just knocked it out of the park. You feel it. 72. Do you talk to Sean Penn about Spicoli? I mean, is he open about that sort of stuff? We haven't interviewed him, and I'd love to have him on the show. And I would be, based on, I mean, right now, you know, I know he's over in Ukraine. Like, he's got, like, he's he's now uh, on world events. And so for me to sit here and talk to Mr. Hand, you know, back in the day, you know, like, that's the sound of his skull. I just don't know, like... Did you do you bring that stuff up yeah, to him? Yeah, we he and I. Or, yeah, we have a good thing, Sean and I. Um, we we you know I I look man. I it's like him. It's De Niro for me. Hopkins. Some of these I've been able to knock down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not lost on me. So when I get Sean in there, it's um, and 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 matter of fact, when we finished Gaslit, mm-hmm. he was like, "I'm going over. I'm going over the Ukraine." Right. You know, and I you know I knew. Sp- sort of what was happening i didn't know that that you know all for all intents and purposes everyone said they russia wasn't going to come in at the time well he was there pre-war he was, he was there pre-war he was doing like he was work there. right documentary he's like film documenting he was doc right? from right. Zelensky. right and he said i'm going to go over there i'm going to i'm going to hook up with Zelensky. and i'm going to tell this story of what's going on over right there. so we would talk a lot about that and then he's there and he's about 80 percent done with the doc mm-hmm. and they invade so Basically, it's going to go one of two ways with the rest of the documentary when we're done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's heavy. So you know what I mean? So, so it's tough to bring up Richmond High at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough turn. Is that what you mean, Shay? Right. <laughs> right. So, right. Right. so Damone, tell me more about it. Like, you can't do that. I, right. I hear you. Right. Shay Wiggum here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. And and now you're also working with Tom Cruise, right? When the MI uh, seven and eight, you're doing sevens in the can and eights coming. Is that yeah, what's coming? Yeah, we uh, we did we did we did Mission Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 basically started right when the pandemic hit in mm-hmm. Italy. We were we were there. We mm-hmm. were about to start in within the next day or two. Mm-hmm. And if you remember it, it 
it hit on, into Italy that this is going back to and oh yeah, that's years. what it was really hit. Yes. So we all we had to leave. Mm. We had to pack up and split, and um, and then Tom put it on put put the mission on his back, and we were kind of the canary in the coal mine, and started like four months after, and had to figure out how do you do this during a pandemic, and so we did that, and we I chased Tom. I was talking to you a little bit before. I chased mm. Tom, you know, all over Europe, Venice and Italy. And, what, like, I mean, Venice and 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 and, and uh, Rome and on foot, like yeah. literally chased him. I, it, he's, I mean, first of all, he's he's un, he's unbelievable at, at 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 what he does. Like I, so I they threw me right into the. You're going to chase Tom. We're in Venice. We're you know they got this spectacular backdrop and i'm hustling tom for about seven hours from we're doing a night shoot mm-hmm. and right at the end of the lat right at like 5 45 in the morning i mean i've been chasing his ass all night long trying to and you can't catch him i mean he's so <laughs> i go and i have one more in me and McHugh McQuarrie says listen i need you to really go i need you to, he was trying to goose me to get you i'm gonna get in a, and i'm hustling and i pull this calf right here and Oh my God! I pull that son of a bitch right there, and I go. I pull up, and he's gone, and I'm the only one who kind of knows what. And he says, "So McQuarrie's like, you got one, you got one more. I don't know if we got it. It may have the lens, maybe you know." So, so I chase him, and you'll probably see that. And then I'm hobbling after you know Cruz, but you know. So I should. That's, that's what happens with my 40 yard dash. Is they look at me, they're like, "You got one more in you," and I'm like, "All right." And then I one year I damn near ripped. Uh, you know, muscle yeah. off the bone, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's serious bit. And if you're running, chasing down Tom Cruise, like, well, how, how fast do you think he is? Like literally, oh, like, what's quick. His, he's quick. Is he man. running like, cause he's, he's, he's in his upper fifties now. Are you saying like, he's, he's running like a four, seven, a four, eight, 40 or something I, crazy. I like would that? not, I would not doubt it. I mean, the guy, the guy can run. He can flat out. When you see this, the trailer is going to play, I believe in front of Top Gun and you'll see oh. this shot. It's immaculate. He is, he's, he, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I think, but he's unbelievable when you see him. Right? Can you do me a favor? Sure. So, because MI8's coming up, right? Yeah, yeah we're going to start MI8. And yeah. you're going to, you know, and you yeah, look yeah. like you're in shape, like you're not going to pull anything at this point in time. You got stamina, you got, you got staying power, Shea Wiggum. I'd like to, like, if you're chasing him, yeah, yeah. Have somebody, have somebody in the crew yeah, yeah. measure out where the forty-yard mark is from where he's starting. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Okay, I'm gonna do it. And have and put a clock on him. Right. I don't know if we tell him. Do we tell him this? Do no, we, we can't tell. Mean, him. Or, can't or, tell or, him. Or, or do we need to go through the front door? It's Tom Cruise. Like he probably doesn't. He he probably needs to know. You know right. I'm gonna or, figure. I'm gonna figure this out. You gotta, I, I mean, because I told you how what I how much uh, I admire what you do for St. Jude. So I'm gonna. Thank I'm you. gonna. I'm going to figure this out. Let's do this. So like, figure it out. Figure out like where he's going to start. We know where his starting <laughs> mark is, clearly. And then figure out, put a 40-yard mark down. All right, all And right. then somebody somebody yeah. got to time him. I'm going to do it. And then we'll find out what it is. I'm going to do it. I'm going to come back here. I'm going to show you this tape. And then and we'll raise, we'll raise money we'll off raise of it. Maybe we'll raise a ton of money. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's so great about that. I bet you. I bet you he'll. Let's, Let's take it. the challenge. Do Let's it. do it. I'll do it. Okay. Do it. Rock it in. Lock it in. Wow. Shea Wiggum here on the Rich Eisen. I thought you were going to get at Rich. You you time him and not let him know, like Bowfinger, when Eddie Murphy was filming the movie, but he didn't know he was in the movie. Like, just make Tom run the 40 without okay. letting him know. That's it. I think that's, that's what we should fine. do, actually. Let's do it.
Yeah. Uh, Gaslit, again, airing Sundays at 8 Eastern on Stars um, and it's streaming on demand platforms at midnight as well. Uh, the man who plays G. Gordon Liddy, Shea Wiggum, here on the Rich Eisen Show. Your filmography and the TV shows you've been in, fantastic. We're going to do our best here to try and boil it down a celebrity true or false, if you don't Great. mind. All right, yeah, here, yeah. let's Great. play celebrity true or false with Shea Wiggum, please. Yeah. Celebrity true or false. You can't handle the truth. That's our production value right there. That's, our production. <laughs> That's it. Okay. <laughs> You've been in $18 million pilots on uh, Boardwalk Empire. That's our production budget right there. Okay. All right. Shea Wiggum, uh, true or false, you originally went to college on a tennis scholarship before you caught the acting bug. Is that true? This is, this is true. I, uh, it was a junior college in Texas. Okay. Uh, and I could, I could kind of find my way around the court, you know, a little bit. But like what, Give me your tennis game. What do you got? I was, you know, I was serving volley. Are you serving no, volley? No, no, I was, I was pretty quick around the court and could, you know. Uh, but I, it was very apparent very quickly that I, I, it was, I, I didn't need to be on scholarship. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did that come out? I mean, I, 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 I was. No. Which no. junior college was this? Uh, Tyler Junior College. So, ta- so the Texas. tennis coach of Tyler Texas Junior College is like rethinking the giving Shea Wiggum a well. You a know what happened? The first guy, I think, I fooled my way onto the team with the first guy, and then the second guy, they had a changeover. My first, my sniffed first year, he, he came you. on and he goes, "Son, I think you." You know, I said, you know, I think I'm going to be an actor. He goes, I think you should do that. <laughs> so, so I ended up, okay. I, that's that's kind of, now that I'm talking about it, that's really how I found my way into, into acting. I love that. So yeah. then here's the second fact here is yeah. that your dad yeah. played quarterback at Florida State. And then when you told him you wanted to act, he only budged when your mom reminded him that that was the route Burt Reynolds took, sports through becoming a movie star and you were going to do the same thing that's that's partly true he did my father played quarterback at florida state okay um and what's interesting he had his coaches were bill parcells dan henning and joe gibbs all on the same staff. Damn! Wow. Yeah. Some. This is on Bobby Bowden's staff. No, no, no. This, this is prior pre Bobby Bowden. Um, okay. Yeah. This is a guy named Bill Peterson. I okay. All right. So, yeah, and uh, he, yeah, so he played quarterback there, and I, you know, I just, I, man, I, it, I, I loved cinema. I loved films, and he and my mom, they would put me in front of them, and I just said, I want to try to figure out. I don't know how you do it. I'm right. Gonna, I want to get. That, so. And so your mom's like, "Hey, Burt Reynolds yeah, was a quarterback at Florida yeah, State. Bert Look did. at him now." And yeah. your, your dad's like, "Okay, yeah." I mean, he wasn't. He was kind of okay, <laughs> kind of okay. I mean, he knew that. Again, uh, you know, uh, uh, an actor at the time, they might as well been been from Mars. You know, nobody knew how you uh-huh. become an actor. And so, you know, when I went off to do it, he was he was trepidatious, I would say. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next one. You're best friends with Michael Shannon, and you often look for projects to do together. And you've been in seven so far. Yeah, I that... love. I love Michael. We just finished our eighth. We finished Waco. This the next installment of Waco. Um, he's he's maybe. I mean, the best. At, in my age bracket, it's him and Joaquin and and Christian. Some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Are, he's right there. Bale, well, Bale and. Phoenix. Boardwalk Empire was one of those projects as well. Yeah. And uh, what what is it like to be mm-hmm. directed by Scorsese, who did the pilot of that? And you've obviously been in other films of his. So. Well, I, I, it's it, it. 
Here's an interesting story if you have a second. I do have a second. Here's a second. So I'm doing my first, with about, about Scorsese, I'm doing my first um, uh, film, Tigerland. We're yes. down in Jackson. We're in Stark, Florida. Colin Farrell yeah. is, is on a rocket ship at the time. And they're sending back his dailies back here to, to California from Florida. Mm-hmm. And people are watching his dailies. And he was about to you know, take off. And Scorsese somehow sees tape on me mm-hmm. from dailies. So I get a call from, I get a call, no cell phones at the time. I get a call on a days in blinking red light. <laughs> and it's Scorsese's people say he wants to bring you to New York. Now, mind you, I'm only on my first film and I'm going, Martin Scorsese. They go, yeah, he's going to bring, he's coming to television for the first time. And he wants you to be the cop. He's going to audition you. I get flown from, I get to New York. I get in there with Marty. And Marty's like, okay, kid, you mind if I read with you? And I was like, uh, Mr. Scor- I mean, I, my heart is out of here. <laughs> and I said, so, so Scorsese, Mr. Scorsese is reading with me. We do this, we do two hours of reading. Uh-huh. And he goes, kid, you're my guy. And I, I'm emotional. We, we have a party that night. We drink. We have a dinner celebration. I get back down. I call all the boys, call everybody. I got it. I'm Marty's guy. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. Yeah. I get down there, and the little red blinking light is on. Mm-mm. And it's a message from Scorsese. And he says, uh, I don't know what the network won't let me hire you. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't understand this television stuff. They won't let me hire you. I'm crestfallen. Yeah. I'm, this is, I'm, I'm on the bottom of, the, I'm lying on the bottom of the pool at this moment. Right. And I call my father and I say, I don't know. He goes, let him off the hook. Let him off the hook. So I, 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 Dial Scorsese and I say, hey, uh, Mr. Scorsese. No, no, call me more. Hey, he goes, sorry, sorry. I said, no, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. I, the, ma- the fact that I got a chance to be with you and to read with you, and to, we had a drink, and we, he goes, thanks for letting me off the hook. Ten years later, a decade later, I'm reading for a boat captain on boardwalk. I come in, one scene, mm-hmm. Ellen, Ellen Lewis, mm-hmm. casting director, who's been with Marty forever, goes, what are you doing reading for a boat captain? I don't know. She goes, nah, nah, nah. You should read for the brother. You should be for, you know, Nucky's brother. Uh-huh. Go outside, take these sides, go outside, come back in. I go outside, I come back in, I put the audition down. She shows it to Marty. And Marty's like, she goes, you remember who this is? And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, this is the kid who let you off the hook 10 years ago. And Marty goes, that's my kid. And that's how you got Boardwalk yeah. Empire. And HBO goes, no, 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 no. Oh, come on. Yeah. Then she goes, You're gonna, we're gonna, we want you to see every, you know, Ryan and Chris and everybody. <laughs> and Marty doesn't see anybody. And he says, I, 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 we get on set for the very first day, and he goes, I never forgot that. I never forgot how you handled that. It just shows you, like, you never know how that's going to come back, you know. Advice from Dad, too. Yeah, dad and mom, you know, they were like, That's great. you know, let him, you know what I mean? I, I, cause I, I wanted to go, the part of me was just devastated. I was completely devastated, you know, because of what could have been. And then, then you get that and then you do, you know, now it's amazing between he and I. And know? the irony that you did wind up playing a boat captain for Scorsese as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly when it's all right. said and done. That's amazing. In the Wolf, <laughs> in the wolf of Wall Street. I didn't even think. It's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, it's my job to connect dots. I'm a dot connector. You're a, you're a top-notch actor. I'm a top-notch oh, uh, dot connector. And that's my last piece of celebrity, true or false. Oh. True or false, the majority of Wolf of Wall Street was improvised. 
Uh, there was a lot of it improvised with, uh, yeah. When I get on, when I got on there with, with, uh, DiCaprio and I on that boat. Yes. A lot of it is because they had built us this um, unbelievable hydro, half of a hydraulic boat yeah. so that we were moving it and the thing moved. And so I remember when I got there and I hadn't met DiCaprio until then, you know, and he's the biggest star in the world at the time. And so Marty's like, Hey, Leo, we get in and we start and, and Marty's always, he, we, we see where it lays we know our stuff, and then he's like, "Let's futz, maybe let's futz it up a little bit. Let's see, you know." So some of the stuff from Captain Ted, from Boat Captain Ted, starts yeah. to come out, and you know, so and and DiCaprio and Hill are champion improvisers. So you, you improvise a line about like we, we might have to what breaks break some china or something like that, like a little. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. That, might, that, that yeah. might break down. You know, we might have to. Back, yeah, then we might have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I forget what it was. Was that or... to lock down some China? Is that what that was? <laughs> I think so. Something. Well, they were looking for the ludes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Because exactly. he's not. He, yeah, he's not he didn't want to die sober. sober. <laughs> he didn't want to die sober. <laughs> Which is one of the great all-time scenes uh, between him and Hill when they're on the ludes. I mean, it's Jerry Lewis-esque. I think. You know, when they come out of the, yeah. down the steps, you know, out of the, uh, the country club. Oh, amazing. my God. Just amazing. Yeah. Dude, you're the best, man. I appreciate the time when you come on this show. The man who plays G. Gordon Liddy in Gaslit on Stars, 8 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. And then uh, streaming on-demand platforms after midnight, available early on the Stars app. Perry Mason Season 2 coming out, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're uh, halfway through right now filming. Fantastic. Be That'll be great. Be great. Well, you're great in everything. Mission Impossible 7 to be released July 2023, and then June of 2024 is when MI8's coming out, and we're going to see him run 40 yards in what, 4'8"? Four, eight, four, four, four eight, Tom Cruise 4'8"? He's definitely breaking five, no five doubt Five seconds? It. Tom <laughs> no Cruise? No doubt about it. Top speed? Yeah, yep. I, I, I mean, I, we got to get him. He's fast. I mean, he's, he's the best fast. movie runner of all time. He's fast. He's 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 unbelievable. I'd agree. I mean, what? Give me a better movie runner than Tom. You know, Cruise. Daniel Craig kind of made a case in the in the Bond movies, okay. but uh, you know, it's Cruise's it's Cruise's and, wearing the belt and, right and now. And it's Cruise and Harrison Ford in the most beat up, correct? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Actor, would you say that? Uh, Actor who gets the crap oh, beaten yeah, out yeah, of them yeah, in yeah. movies. Yeah, he's you know he's the biggest movie star. He's he's yeah he's amazing. It's it's like I said again. You only say, you 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 never forget like like. You know, Cruise. Sometimes I'm like, I'm acting with Tom Cruise. Right <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to get him, you know? So, yeah. Man, I love that story about Scorsese. Listen, Outstanding. Thank you for having me. Anytime, Shea Wagon. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Everybody, check out Gaslit on Stars. We're back with more in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, Terrestrial Radio Outfit, Rogue ST Drivers. It's the only one that's out there that's built to completely bomb it, folks. It's been speed-tuned to be Callaway's fastest, most stable driver ever. Every Rogue ST is engineered with a new tungsten speed cartridge, which gives you more speed on off-center hits and provides more forgiveness thanks to high MOI. But that's just the beginning because Callaway's engineered a Rogue ST for every single player. There's the Max, the incredible combination of distance and forgiveness. I use that. There's the Max D for a dedicated draw model, the Max LS, stronger trajectory and more neutral ball flight. And then there's the Rogue ST Triple Diamond LS. That's like the Triple Lindy of drivers. (laughs) It's for only the professionals out there. And for those that love that low spin compact head, that's what the tour players love. Callaway's thought through every aspect of speed, so all you've got to do is go rogue. Find your Callaway uh, Rogue ST driver at callawaygolf.com slash go rogue. Latest episode of Just Getting Started on our podcast network is out. Susie's guest is one of our favorites and one of hers as well, the great Eric Stone Street. Um, how, does he, how do you go from a kid who just wants to be a clown one day into desiring uh, a, a career in acting and then becoming Cam? From Modern Family, just some great stories from uh, Eric Stone Street, including how he got started. How did you come to realize that your calling was in acting, coming from the Midwest? I think there's something in the water there, because of all the incredible actors that are out of Kansas City. Rich really loves going every year to go back and raise money for it's Mercy Children's Hospital. Children's Mercy Hospital. Yep. Yep. And he goes every year for the big slick. There's something in the water there. How did you get started? Well, you know, when I was a kid, I said I wanted to be a clown in the circus. And I didn't know what that meant at the time other than I went to the circus. And that's who I was drawn to at the circus. And then life happened. And, you know, I still did clowning. And, you know, my grandma made my clown suits. And Fisbo was a real part of my life as a kid. Then I went on to college and kind of left that behind. But when I was in college, um, my high school and girlfriend and I broke up and I was sad and melancholy. And my best friend, Paul, he was like, you know, you should audition for a play or something. And so I said, I would, if he would. And I went and auditioned for a play at the theater department at Kansas state. And I got cast and then I kept getting cast in plays. And then I was like, well, this is fun. I'm enjoying it. I like the people. I'm meeting diverse and unique, interesting people. Uh, and then the professors there were encouraging and said, hey, you know, you're you're pretty good. And so then I decided, well, I'll give it a shot. I'll just see if the people in Manhattan, Kansas know what good is. And I'll move to Chicago <laughs> and see if people in Chicago tell me I'm good. So I moved to Chicago with the idea that that's where I was going to be an actor. I was going to do commercials. I was going to be on Steppenwolf stage, the Goodman stage, uh, Second City, perhaps, not really thinking of Los Angeles. But then when I got to Chicago, I realized I can compete, you know, not that it's a competition, but it is in a sense. And I thought, well, maybe I'll hit L.A. and just kind of get the cheat code because I felt like staying in Chicago any more than I did was just prolonging what inevitably I needed to do to find the success that that point I wanted to find. So I moved to LA and just decided that I would start falling on my face there rather than falling on my face in Chicago without the 
possibilities of lightning striking, right? You can have a fine career in Chicago as an actor, but you're not going to get that one moment where you step in a room and somebody says, you're going to be in a movie, you know, or whatever it is. So that's kind of how I got started. I just listened to somebody that said I was decent. And then I just thought, well, I'll keep going until somebody says no more Stone Street. And um, just kind of been falling forward ever since. Love that guy. Love it. I just love hearing how people, uh, the name of the episode is Facing the Fear. When you, you, you're just wondering, is it right for you? Is it right for me? Is it right to keep on trying? And uh, I love it. That's what I love about just getting started and, uh, and Susie doing it with Eric Stone Street. Go where all podcasts are acquired uh, on the Cumulus Podcast Network. Um, before we go, what's, what's the final poll results of our Star Wars related May the 4th poll? Yeah, guys, may, may the 4th uh, be with you. Are you. Do you have a speech impediment now? Or? Oh, and, and also with you. <laughs> oh. Okay, got it. Got uh, it. Who's the best Star Wars character? Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Han Solo, or Yoda? Mm-hmm. 41.5% Darth Vader. Oh, wow. Bad guy. Goat wow. villain. 25% Han Solo, 22% Yoda. No love for, for Luke. Luke. What's going on? Wow. 11%. He's the one who uses Skywalker. the Force. He's yeah. the one who uses, I don't understand. He carries on through the spoiler alert to wow. the rest of the movie. What's the matter? What's the matter? Guy. I don't know. Uh, I want to thank today's guests, Chris Ballard, Mike Tomlin, Shea Wiggum, and uh, Kendrick Perkins. Perk. That was fun stuff right there from uh, from Kendrick. So we'll see you, uh, we'll see you on Thursday when it'll be uh, year two of uh, TJ Jefferson's, if you will, victory over. tour. Yes. <laughs>